Hello and welcome into BTN's Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex for BTN. First, a quick word from our presenting sponsor, Northwestern University School of Professional Studies. If you've ever thought about a career in sports, check out the master's program in sports administration at Northwestern University. You can build your skill set and your network in evening or online classes. Find out more at sps.northwestern.edu slash sports. So if you want to get a job at a place like BTN or anywhere else in the sports industry, definitely recommend checking out that program and uh, take advantage of that opportunity. All right, now let's get into the show. This week on the Take 10 Podcast, we have a very timely episode, a very timely interview, and it's a guest that we've had on a couple times before here on the show. He's one of the busiest men in sports media, and he carved out about 20 minutes to chat with us this week, uh, fresh off a major weekend and month for him. It's Kevin Kugler. Uh, If you don't know, Kevin is a BTN play-by-play announcer. He also does play-by-play for Westwood One Radio for NFL. And as I mentioned, this episode was timely. Does play-by-play, or I guess, uh, I don't know what you call it for golf, but he does radio for the Masters as well. So he was just in Augusta this past weekend, called Tiger Woods, historic win um, and a historic green jacket and comeback story. Everyone's heard about it by now. Uh, Sorry if you're you're sick of hearing about it, but uh, I definitely want to get Kevin on to provide a unique angle and um, definitely interesting viewpoint of a broadcaster who called a historic event. And Kevin's unique also in the sense that, as I mentioned, he had a big month. Uh, He didn't just helicopter in and call the Masters. He, he, He came in from the final four uh, just the week before that and called the entire NCAA tournament um, each weekend and all that is coming off a full season of of men's college basketball and football that he's called for BTN so obviously didn't let Kevin catch his breath at all immediately demanded that he come on the show and uh, of course he's more than happy to so we got Kevin Kugler coming up after that we have a call for the culture segment with producer Colleen Degnan if you haven't heard the show before Uh, We've been doing this segment for a number of weeks now where Colleen talks about current events, pop culture, the intersection of sports and pop culture, and we just have a good time kind of chopping it up and uh, keeping it light. So first up, it's Kevin Kugler, followed by, like I said, Call for the Culture with Colleen Degnan. Got about an hour of uh, discussion coming your way, and we'll get to Kevin's discussion right now. It's a Take 10 podcast chat with Kevin Kugler, and it's coming right up. Very pleased to be joined by Kevin Kugler. He's a recurring guest on this podcast who wears many hats, including as a BTN announcer for football and basketball, plus Westwood One for radio, doing NFL, college hoops, and most recently, the Masters. Kevin, how are you? I am well. It's it's wonderful to be a recurring guest. That means I didn't screw up too much the first time, and I'm still employed gainfully, which is always a plus. So, happy to be back. Yep, you got that uh, distinguished honor, and and I've got to ask, have you caught your breath yet? Because uh, this last month or so, it's probably been a whirlwind for you. So just just take us through what you've been up to the last uh, calendar month, starting with when we saw you here in Chicago at the Big Ten tournament. Yep. I, so I that's that, that's easy. So I, I left the Big Ten tournament and flew to Chicago, where I did the Big East tournament for radio for Westwood One. Uh, took a quick stop in Phoenix because it was the uh, sorority that my daughter is in Father's Weekend. So I went down, spent a day with her, 
flew back home, got ready for the NCAA tournament, which I left for on that following Wednesday, or Tuesday, rather, the 19th. Went to Des Moines, called the first round there, which had Michigan State, Michigan, Minnesota, all three Big Ten teams in Des Moines for that. Watched those games, came back home from that. Spent a couple of days preparing, went to Washington, D.C. for the next round of the tournament, got to watch Michigan State and Duke, uh, which was one of the best games that the tournament's had. Uh, did that game, came back home, spent another day or so at home, then went up to Minneapolis for the Final Four, broadcast the Final Four with uh, with Clark Kellogg and John Thompson in the booth, uh, Bill Walton and Jim Gray on the side for the national semifinals and the national championship game. That was on Monday, April 8th. Then got on a plane last Tuesday, the 9th, uh, and flew to Augusta, Georgia, and then spent my weekend at Amen Corner calling shots at 11, 12, and 13 at Augusta National. Got to have a, uh, a, a, a close seat to watch Tigers return to prominence, and then uh, back home for a couple days before we dive headlong into uh, Big Ten baseball season back on BTN. There you go. Pretty unbelievable itinerary. And I want to back up because I feel like the dad's weekend at your daughter's college was either the most stressful thing of the entire last month or the most enjoyable. Which was it? (laughs) It was a little bit of both because it was such a whirlwind. And uh, and it was one of those things where it's like, I'm here. There's my daughter. Haven't seen her for a few months. Great to see her. Let's spend a little time together. And then right back on a plane to head home. So it was a it was stressful from the whirlwind standpoint and from the standpoint of I know in the back of my mind I'm about to embark on the tournament, uh, but it was, it, was, uh, it was fun for the chance to see her for a few minutes anyway before diving uh, into the crazy season over the last month. So it's, uh, it, it's a mixed bag, but it's, all of it's fun. It's, it's been a great month, and uh, it's, it's nice to have uh, to been able to see some historic moments uh, in sport over the last month, both at the Final Four and at the Masters. Yeah, so you've done this this uh, trip before. You've gone straight from the Final Four to the Masters. But like you said, you saw one of the best national championship games probably ever, then probably the most historically significant Masters of all time, with Tiger Woods winning for the first time in over a decade. So, I mean, I, heard to, I have to imagine that combo uh, has been topped in, in your career as far as two events squeezed into a week or so. Yeah, it, it's, I've done, as you said, I've done it before. But it's really hard to think of the combo being better. You know, there have been uh, there have been better national championship games that I've done, although not by much. Villanova, North Carolina, a few years ago was probably a better game overall. Had the drama at the very end that the one this past uh, two weeks ago did not. But uh, it, it was a great game, and it was a lot of fun to be there, and it was so historically significant to see Virginia go all the way from their loss last year back to the, all the way to the top of college basketball, and then to go down, and there's not been a Masters that I've done. I've done the Masters since 2009. There's not been a Masters that I've done that had more electricity, more significance, more drama than Tiger returning to the top and winning at Augusta National for the first time in 14 years. That was that was something to behold. It was amazing to be on the property while that was happening, to watch and to listen to people react and, and you know the the great thing Alex about the Masters is and some people would say it's not the great thing but I happen to like it you can't have your cell phone you can't have electronic devices on the ground so nobody knows what's happening 
other than by the manual scoreboards that are at most whole locations. And my favorite thing is I'm on the broadcast, so I know what Tiger's done on a hole prior. So I'll sit there, and when I know they're going to change the score on the manual scoreboard at Amen Corner, I'll take my headset off. If I'm not on air, obviously. If I'm in the midst of a call, I, I won't do that. But if I'm not on air, I'll take my headset off and listen because the crowd reacting to a score being placed on a manual scoreboard is one of the coolest things, and it's unique to Augusta National. Everybody knows it in every other arena by the time things happen because they've got their phones, they've got Twitter, they've got the internet. They can find a score whenever they want it, but you can't at Augusta National. If they find you with a phone, they're kicking you out, and they're taking your, your, your badge or your ticket. Uh, that's not the case at Augusta National where they all, where nobody, where nobody knows anything that's going on. It's, it's just, it's one of the most unique things in sport. And it's one of my favorite things about that tournament is that the, the, the players have to stop. You know, they'll be on 11 green and they'll put that scoreboard up and they'll stop what they're doing and look at the score because the roar they've heard behind them, they know Tiger has just done something. It's so unique and it's so cool. Yeah, it sounds awesome. And, and I'm not a huge golf fan. Like, I'll watch, but I don't watch too much golf every year. Some I'll tune in for the majors, and I can't remember the last time I've listened to golf on the radio. So can you explain how does a golf broadcast work on the radio? Where are you situated? Uh, what hole are you at? And, and how does the action kind of flow through you and your booth? Well, I'm a, there's a, there's a, a baseball grandstand that is behind – 12 T to the side of 11 green with 13 going down the fairway to your right. And that's where we have our our broadcast location. So you're essentially behind a pane of glass to keep your voice from carrying down to 11 green and 12 T so that you don't disturb anybody. And you talk in your master's hushed tones and you get a little lower with your broadcast voice and you say things very quietly and then you broadcast what's happening in front of you. And then as it goes down 13 toward the green, we broadcast the rest of that off the monitor up there, the 13. And we have folks at different locations. We'll have a guy at 15, 16. We'll have a guy at 17. We have somebody at four. We have somebody at eight. And then we have, in this case, it was Mike Tirico and Charlie Reimer were our broadcast crew in the tower at 18. Much like with TV, where Nance and Faldo are in the tower on CBS, Mike Tirico Charlie Reimer, our analysts, were in the tower for radio at 18, and everything kind of flows through them. So, you know, Mike will say, let's go to 11, and uh, then I'll call from there, and maybe Charlie will chime in with something that he saw, or in the case later in the day where our analyst Maureen Nadil comes down and joins me at Amen Corner, and we have essentially a secondary booth of play-by-play and analyst. Um, and then it just sort of flows through there. So when you think about how it flows on television, where it hops from hole to hole to hole, it's the same thing on radio. It just hops from hole to hole to hole. And instead of having the pictures help underline what's happening, we have to underline what's happening with more description of what's going on. So you describe the scene a little bit better. You describe the wind. You describe some of the, the stuff you see. The patrons are 25 deep standing behind the tee at 12T waiting for Tiger to hit and have to describe how the wind is blowing and where the ball is curving and you know it's 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 unique i only call golf one time a year and that's the masters which is not a bad way to call golf but it's unique to me it's a unique event for me because it challenges me in ways that nothing else does because i don't do it very often so it's it's always a fun challenge for me especially coming off the final four yeah i was gonna say i actually went to my first golf tournament a couple months ago and it was the waste management open 
in Phoenix, and that's obviously quite a different scene than something like the yeah. <laughs> like the Masters, probably uh, complete opposite ends of the spectrum. But I know you said you only call the Masters every year, but but can you explain, especially for someone who uh, doesn't watch as much golf like myself, what the fundamental differences are between the Masters and, and some of the other majors, and uh, just the, the vibe from what you've heard or, or well, experienced? Well, and I've, I've experienced the Masters a lot over the last 11 years. And there is, and talking with people who spend their season around golf, and, I, and clearly I'm not that person. But I certainly, we have a lot of guys on our crew, like Brian Katrick and Mark Carnivale, who do this week in, week out on the PGA Tour. And the vibe at Augusta National, and I can tell you this from personal experience, is different than any other sporting event I've ever been to. There is a throwback feel to Augusta National. There is a, this is a unique tournament to call. It's a unique place to be, unique to anything else on the planet, as far as I'm concerned in sports, and in, in so many good ways. It is, it is right at the beginning of spring, and so when you come out of month after month of, of cold weather and snow and winter, and I mean, look, it was cold from coast to coast this past season, whether it was rainy or snowy, it was cold and wet wherever you were. And to get down to Georgia, and the azaleas are in full bloom, and the trees are green, and the grass is green, and the, and the weather is warm, it really, to me, always feels like the first couple of days of spring. It's like spring has finally arrived. And then you get down there, and it's held in such reverence by so many. You have so many past champions who come and congregate down there. So you get to see Jack Nicklaus. You get to see Gary Player competing in the par three. You get to see... Bernhard Langer and Fred Couples and Sandy Lyle and all these past champions who go out and compete the same week as so many of today's current pros do. It's it's cool from a historic standpoint because there's always a chance they catch lightning in a bottle. Fred Couples has had a run a few years back, and we all remember what Tom Watson did at the Open several years ago. It was one of the great stories in sport when he made a run Sunday and almost won himself a Claret Jug. That whole thing could happen every year at Augusta National. There's just, there's just something about the place that sets it apart as unique to sport. And when Tiger is competing and has a chance on Sunday to win, it is one of the most electric atmospheres anywhere. Football, basketball, I don't care the sport. There is just an electricity in the air. And it comes from everybody has to talk to everybody because they can't communicate with their phones. So you've got to actually turn to the guy and say, can you believe what we're watching here? And that electricity just buzzes through the whole property. It's a, it's what I imagine watching sports on site in the 60s, 70s, and 80s would have largely been like, because you don't have the technology that distracts you from either the person next to you or the event in front of you. And that's what really makes that unique. Yeah, as a casual golf fan, I'm glad I woke up in time Sunday to, to flip it on and, and witness that uh, from afar. And, and you mentioned, you know, the hushed tones and how you call a uh, event like the Masters. And I've actually heard you, uh, you know, quite a few times on the radio calling NFL games. So I bet if we looked at your heart rate, you know, it'd be quite different um, calling those NFL games compared to the Masters because you really get into those. So can you compare calling an NFL game to something? at a pace like a golf tournament? It's, uh, my heart rate probably isn't a whole lot different because I'm so concerned when I'm calling golf that I'm going to screw it up. Because True. <laughs> I only do it four times a year, so right. I'm, I'm a little more nervous 
about the call I'm about to make because I just want to make sure I'm doing it properly. Uh, I don't have those concerns as often in football as far as the mechanics of the call because I've done so much football over the years that I can still screw up a call and, and have, but I don't worry about it from the standpoint of am I going to screw it up because I use terminology wrong or I say something that isn't quite fitting in the call. Uh, that's not the case when it comes to football. I, I, I've got the terminology pretty much down for football. Um, but it is it is an interesting thing. And, and, and look, if you've heard Mike Tirico's final call, if you've heard any of our calls from, from the golf course, you get excited when big things happen. And nobody says you shouldn't. Um, and, and, and I think, it, especially when Tiger's there, it deserves that kind of excitement. Um, and, and Mike didn't hold back, and I certainly wouldn't hold back. I was on 12 when Tiger and Molinari and Finau got there on Sunday. And Francesco Molinari was leading the Masters at that point with, what, six, seven holes to go. And he put the ball in the water. And the place went nuts. I mean, and I did not hold back on my call because it was clearly one of the biggest moments of the entire tournament. And so you just know, like any other sporting event, you know when to elevate your call for the moment. You're not going to do that for a Thursday call when some guy goes into Ray's Creek at hole 12 because, you know, you know that doesn't really have a whole lot of bearing on what's happening on the green jacket on Sunday. You can't win the tournament on Thursday. You can lose it on Thursday. But you can win it or lose it both on Sunday, and that was a pivotal moment. And so, you know, make your call for those moments. Uh, it's not quite the same frequency as you do football because the sport doesn't lend itself to that. Uh, but those moments still exist, and you've got to be ready for them. All right, Kevin. Well, the sports calendar rolls on. You mentioned you have a little bit of a uh, breather now before getting ready for Big Ten baseball. Um, are you calling any Major League Baseball this year? And I also, if we're going to talk Major League Baseball, I want to get your thoughts on the Cubs because we talked a couple of weeks back in, in Minneapolis about uh, some of their their woes, but uh, they, they seem to have you know steadied it a little bit. So, calling any Major League games, and uh, what are your thoughts on the Chicago Cubs? Uh, nothing in the first half of the schedule for Major League Baseball. Stay tuned for the second half of the schedule. Um, but as far as the Cubs, it's been a I, I try not to get too frustrated because it's still early as a Cubs fan. Um, but I, I will say this. they it, It's not surprising because they went out of their way and didn't make a whole lot of changes to their roster. And so to the bullpen or anything else, so you look at the team and in, in large part it's kind of what you expected it to be because it's kind of the team that was there at the end of last season when things went south. Um, I, I think they're better than they show. Their pitching needs to be better. And hopefully you Darvish's last start is a sign of better things to come for him. You can't be much worse or less productive than he was last year. Uh, you can uh, you can hopefully hope that Carlos uh, that uh, the Quintana moves have been the moves that you want to see from him over the last couple of weeks uh, because that's certainly been something that you know has been a concern for the Cubs is the fact that. You know, Jose Quintana has not been able to put together the numbers that he did at times last year, but he was really dominant uh, against the Marlins the other night. So that's a good sign, hopefully, for them. I think the offense will score a lot of runs, despite the fact that Brian Rizzo are having slow starts to the season. They'll, they'll catch fire at some point. So as long as they can pitch, I think they'll be okay. We, you see the Brewers have some issues, despite having Hater in their bullpen, with what they have uh, in the pen, 
and I think that's encouraging, although they club the ball probably better than the Cubs. The Cardinals might be the best team in the division, and we'll see how that pans out, although the Brewers have had their number early. So I'm, I'm trying not to push the panic button. It's, it's April, but there are signs that they may not be uh, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we're both in a little better place than uh, we were a couple weeks ago when it was like DEFCON 5 or the Cubs. Uh, all right, before we wrap up, I want to test your – uh, sports versatility as much as possible, and we pretty much touched on everything except college football. And since you call college football for us, and like we said, call NFL uh, on the radio, I want to get your thoughts on maybe a player that you saw last year um, in Big Ten play that translates well to the NFL with the NFL draft coming up in uh, just over a week here. Do you have any names that jump out at you? Well, uh, the, the first name that comes to my mind is Nick Bosa. Uh, I think Nick Bosa is, a, is an NFL player right now, and he will be very soon. Um, and I think he'll be a very productive NFL player very soon. You're talking about likely the highest-ranked Big Ten player drafted coming up. So this is not exactly a, a, a ledge I'm cl- crawling out on that isn't very sturdy. Uh, but I do think when, when you talk about a Big Ten player that's going to make an impact early for an NFL team, to me... Nick Bosa is the first name that jumps to mind. I, I just I think Nick Bosa has all the tools. I think he's a stud. I'm excited to see what he can do. And I, and I also look. I also think Dwayne Haskins is going to be the first Big Ten quarterback drafted in the first round in a long time. And I think he's going to make some team very happy. So I know I went to Ohio State guys, but those are the two that I think of when I think about this draft coming up. Nick Bosa is the first Big Ten name that I think of, and Dwayne Haskins from a quarterback standpoint is going to give the Big Ten something that the league hasn't had in a while, and that's a first-round quarterback, and I'm excited to see what he can do at the next level, too. Yeah, I almost forgot about that. Wasn't that like Kerry Collins or something, the last... Uh... Yeah, it was. That's wild. Yeah. Yep, it's, it's been a long, long time since we saw a Big Ten quarterback drafted in the first round, and Dwayne Haskins, I mean, barring some, some huge surprise, and I can't imagine what that would take to keep him out of the first round, barring that... I think we'll certainly see the first Big Ten quarterback taken in decades in the first round of this draft. All right, Kevin, last thing, and it's more of a, a statement than a question. I saw you tweeted that you do not watch Game of Thrones. Um, I don't. N- neither do I. I stand in solidarity solidarity with you on that. Uh, I feel like we're a dwindling group, but um, Sunday was rough for me after the Masters, just trying to relate on social media because I, I didn't understand any of the, the references. Yeah, you know, and it's not a, oh, I'm opposed to it. It's just one of those things I never started doing, and by that, by the time it got rolling, I just, you know, it felt like it was too late to, to catch up. I mean, I think it's season eight is the season that's going on, seven or eight. I think so. Yeah. And, and I just, I've never really, it's been one of those things where I'm like, I can't really catch up with this. So do I start now, or do I just say, you know, I've missed out? And I feel like it's something I kind of would like. I mean, it's, it's sort of a, you know, sort of a sci-fi wheelhouse kind of thing. But I just, you know, it was one of those, I never started it, and then life gets in the way, and, you know, I don't I don't have a lot of downtime to, to watch a lot of TV, so I never really got into it. But, man, the more, and the problem is, the more you see about it, the more you think, I wish I were part of the whole conversation. I wish I could chime in, and there's nothing I can say. So, you know, like I said the other night on nights where Game of Thrones airs, Twitter's probably something I don't need to be a part of because it's always going to just have Game of Thrones references, and I'll just jump in and go, winter is coming, because that's really the only thing I understand about Game of Thrones. 
Right, Winter is Coming, Night King, all that. That's all I really uh, have in my whole story. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm i kind of the same way. I never started it, and at this point I'm like, I think I should just wait for it all to be over and then maybe try and catch up and binge it when I have uh, some downtime. I think that's the only solution. And there's all these spoilers out there now anyway. Like, people tweet as if everyone's seen it, so uh, I, I don't really know what to do. But, um, yeah, like you said, I'm uh, going to have to find some downtime. I know you don't have a lot of downtime, so I appreciate you jumping on and giving me uh, about 20 minutes or so here. And I'm sure we'll catch up down the road, Kevin. Thanks. Uh, Absolutely. Always enjoy talking with you. I look forward to being yet another repeat performer on this podcast. All right. Thanks once again to Kevin for jumping back on and talking about a historic weekend in sports and talking about his vantage point from Augusta, Georgia. Definitely um, once that happened last Sunday and Tiger's achievement was complete, I knew I had to try and get Kevin on and... uh, as always, he was gracious and, and uh, agreed to give us some of his time. So, appreciate him. I mentioned at the top of the show, we will move on to our Call for the Culture segment with Colleen Degnan. we doing it most weeks here on the show, talking intersection of sports and pop culture and kind of everything in between, talking current events, talking social media. And uh, like I said, it, it's a fun, lighthearted discussion. So, we'll get right to it. It's our Call for the Culture segment with Colleen, and it starts right now. All right, we're back in the lab with another call for the culture. It's Alex Rue here, joined by Colleen Degnan. Colleen, how are you feeling? I'm feeling great. How are you? All right. Um, you know, I feel like we talk about the weather all the time on this <laughs> podcast. It's not like just to make small talk, but it's because the weather is uh, truly wild here in Chicago. It was snowing, uh, blizzard-like conditions on Sunday, and then I was out in a run on Monday. I don't know uh, if you had the same experience, but... It was probably the most extreme version of Chicago weather that uh, I've experienced in my going on three years living here. For once in my young adult life, I was very okay with the disgustingly cold weather on Sunday due to the amount of sports on sports that we had to watch. Not just sports, like all-time Sunday in terms of kind of everyone being on the same page on social media, uh, in terms of what they were watching on TV. And yeah, you're right. It was a case where the weather outside really I think played into it at least in this part of the country because everyone stayed in parked on the couch it was incredible Sunday's already my favorite day of the week and so when I can just fully appreciate it in whatever I want to actually be doing it's incredible all right so take me through your Sunday how did you enjoy kind of this all-time Sunday we'll get into what that means in a second Um, not to reflect too much but I I do want to touch on this because it really was unique I mean, it's just awesome. We went, my roommate and I got up aggressively early, turned on the Masters right away. Kind of a blessing that the weather also made them start early. So we watched Tiger secure his fifth Masters title. See, I didn't realize that they were starting early. I kind of woke up like mid-morning and heard my roommate watching it. My room is right by the TV. So I heard it through the wall and I'm like, isn't this supposed to be in the afternoon? Yeah. Kind of yelled out to him like, what's going on? Did they start already? Um, And he said, yeah, because of the weather. So went back to sleep and then uh, woke up in time for like the last three holes or so to also watch Tiger win the Masters. And, you know, I've said on this before, I told you about it. I told Kevin Kugler this on on, uh, our interview that preceded this discussion that I'm not a huge golf fan, but like I'm going to appreciate history and watch something so significant. I mean, because it really was one of the biggest sports stories 
of the century, really, so far. I mean, I mean, he's a 43-year-old guy coming back and winning his fifth title after an 11-year hiatus. And I found myself, I'm a pretty great, grateful sports fan, and I'm never, like, to root against other teams or against other players. Mm. But in his final round on Sunday, I was cheering so loudly when Kepka hit in the water or, like, Molinari roughed a shot. Like, I wanted Tiger to win so badly that I was loving seeing everybody else fail. So looking at the bigger picture, I think... This is a rare occurrence, especially in this day and age, because it, it truly was a day where everyone, or a lot of people, the vast majority of people were on the same page about multiple things. Like, almost everybody, I think, wanted to see Tiger win. Like, that's very rare in sports. Usually, you at least have two factions of people rooting for two different teams. And, you know, you move in to the afternoon and evening, you had a lot of people that were on the same page about Game of Thrones. Um, we talked about it last episode. I'm not one of those people. I've not seen Game of Thrones. You're one of the rare people. I'd say it's even rarer. I'd argue you're even more unique that you watch, like, five seasons and then just hit the eject button and said I'm out. Like, I've never heard anyone doing that. But there were still huge groups of people that were on the same page about wanting Tiger to win and then were on the same page about being excited for Game of Thrones. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen anything like it. It's such a good like comeback it. story. I've never seen anything like it on social media with everyone, um, you know, kind of building anticipation for the same thing. And then you and then afterwards like you hear Tiger talking about the last time he won he got to hug his dad who wasn't supposed to be there because of health issues and like as soon as he won he immediately got his son in his arms like goosebumps just erupting. Yeah. I mean come on talk about a human interest story that everybody wants to hear. Yeah, it was cute. And for me, like I said, I'll appreciate the Tiger thing um and just as a sports fan kind of relish that, but I don't know if you've seen the meme, the Spongebob meme, because I'm all about Spongebob oh, memes. Couldn't be less about Spongebob. Uh, of Squidward. I don't know how... That's another thing that's unique. I don't know how you, you can't... Uh, it's mind-numbingly dumb. That That is how. Spongebob is one of the... All right, hold on. Spongebob is one of the greatest, most intelligent shows of our generation. It's a show that uh, honestly transcends childhood and adulthood because it can appeal to you know a kid's sense of humor and also sneak in some adult tidbits in there that you can appreciate now as a young adult. So I encourage you to go rewatch that and uh, just face the fact that you're wrong about that. But anyway, what I'm getting to is... I was too busy watching sports growing up, not, not cartoons. <laughs> I, somehow I made time for both. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I, I'm the SpongeBob meme where you've probably seen it circulating even if you're not a fan, where Squidward's in his house and he's looking out through his barred window at Patrick and SpongeBob having fun jellyfishing and Squidward is just sulking in his own misery that he's not involved. That's how I felt about being a non-Game of Thrones fan, watching all day Sunday, not only the anticipation, but as the show went on, the memes that came afterwards, and me not understanding what these memes are so and, honestly, and what the references are. And, and now it's just discouraging me to watch it because I feel like everything's being spoiled. I understand that I'm probably hated by 95% of people because I am so not a bandwagon fan, but I watched it because my roommate loves it. And then you're right. Culturally, it's kind of nice to be in reference. And this last season, all of the characters that I had met sporadically all of a sudden came back. So I actually kind of knew what was going on. And low-key, the cinematography in Game of Thrones is awesome. So if nothing else, watch it for the cool special effects. Well, at the very least, you have that frame of reference, like you said, of, of knowing some of the characters, and then you can probably piece together what these memes are talking about. I have no idea what's going on. They all have these weird, like, fantasy names, and now I feel like I'm getting a warped uh, picture in my head of, of what these characters are just because of 
my Twitter timeline and and all the jokes that are you know being related to not even Game of Thrones. Like they'll be comparing uh, the Office meme with Dwight Schrute to some of these characters, and, and right. now I'm starting to like. You know, I get, do feel on this, the inside, and I like it. I feel like I'm watching the show from afar through the lens of social media. Yeah, it's that, just strange. That sucks. Uh, before we move on from this epic Sunday that we had, and look ahead to some more epic weekends we got coming up. Um, I do have to... In the, wait, but, but before that, in the middle of the Masters and Game of Thrones, thank God for the weather issue, because then we got to watch Portland secure its first playoff win. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You're going to hit yourself. I needed to call out one more... I, I know you're excited about the Blazers, and we can get to it in a second, but I needed to Just call... Just completely I needed stealing to call, my thunder. I need to call out one more thing about Tiger, um, and it's actually has a Big Ten tie. It's Ohio State AD Gene Smith uh, tweeted a congratulations to the GOAT, Tiger Woods um, with the goat emoji and it's just funny being the Ohio State Athletic Director uh, alma mater of Jack Nicholas. Uh, I think he got a little little blowback by by some of the homers in in, uh, in Scarlet and Gray so I thought that was funny yeah that, like, with Tiger probably, approaching Nicholas's he, record he probably, wasn't, I mean, he probably wasn't thinking you know about that and maybe he's a bigger Tiger fan I just thought it was funny that, like, I mean I think a lot of even bigger fish in the sea were tweeting about Tiger both our current president and former president but as well as that's another example of everyone being on the same page like that almost never happens and um, I think we can at least I don't know about you but I, I think that not knowing about golf uh, you know in depth I still think that Tiger probably has to be the greatest golfer of all time just because the competition now is so much stiffer than it was in Jack Nicklaus's day. Like now, there's probably uh, you know double digits, you know over a dozen people that could go out and win a major. Uh, back in Jack Nicklaus's day, there was like him, maybe a couple other guys. So like I think you're a little the, off. The, the there. playing field, the playing field is is I think much more even now. So I do think you could you could make a fair argument that he's the greatest golfer of all time. But like that golden age back of. Palmer and Trevino and Nicholas, like, come on, you can't just completely put them down. You don't like they're they're classic. This is where my uh, golf debate ends because I <laughs> I'm not qualified. You, you to get tap into this, out. So. Just take, take my word on this. All right, now since you're, I know you're excited to get into it, we can talk about the Blazers. Um, it's kind of been a um, organic movement on this podcast, just talking about the Blazers because of your fandom, and and now. Who knows? It might turn into something special and something that we can talk about into late May, perhaps, if they keep playing oh like this. Oh, my God. One can up, dream. As of this taping, up 2-0 on uh, OKC Thunder. Take me through it. How has Portland done it? I, I didn't realize that... Uh, Three seasons. Yeah, they hadn't won a playoff game. They made the playoffs, but it swept out two years in a row. Yes. So this is awesome. Not only have we won one, but now two. So now we're taking... We have to go down and play in OKC. But the Dame-Russ rivalry is amazing and com- completely has fueled Dame, and he's been trumping Russ. Now, I'm a little bit more nervous to play on their court, but we've played really solidly without our main center, Nurk, who's been injured after that horrific leg incident a couple weeks ago. we got Canner now. He's been stepping up. Canner's been playing right. money. Um, CJ did amazing. Like, him and Dame together are just indescribable. And a lot of likable guys on Dame's been hitting shots from like 30 feet out. Have you listened to uh, CJ McCollum's podcast? Yes. He's got a good pull-up podcast, I think it's called. Um, he's likable. Obviously, we talked about Dame in depth on this show, and he's got his own thing going. He's, he's a rapper. I watched his whole interview with Taylor Rooks. I know we addressed that interview last week, but uh, I watched the whole thing last night. I like him even more now. Like he, He's a really down-to-earth guy like we talked about. And you mentioned Russ Westbrook. Those are the two guys that – we said it last week that are you know kind of true to their their mid major market teams that they want to try and get it done and don't want to to ring chase um, so to speak. 
So, yeah, I like the competitive edge. I like them going at it. Russ is always getting these little shoving matches with guys. You yeah. know, he's never going to fight, but... No, no, he but, chirps, but, for sure. But he'll, you know, act like he's going to get up and do something, and then Steven Adams holds him back. Yeah, so and, like, I, I don't get me wrong. Like, if OKC wasn't playing Portland, I'd for sure be cheering for them because, A, Russ went to UCLA, and I'm Bruins, Bruins fam. And then Steven Adams is a Kiwi, and I spent a good chunk of my life in New Zealand. Or not, that's a little aggressive. Uh, Six months. Six months. Studied abroad there? But uh, yeah. So obviously, I'm like, uh, I do like them more than a lot of other teams. But it's one of those frustrating things that, of course, the main talking points across so many other media spectrums is like, oh, what is OKC doing wrong that is making them lose? Versus like, okay, can we acknowledge a little bit that like Portland's doing a few things right under granted circumstances? But. We'll just we'll just keep playing well. Well, I think it goes beyond uh, Russ and Dame as far as similarities go. Like Portland and, and OKC are, are similar markets, right? They're the only pro teams in town. Um, Portland, I think, is kind of taking over the Pacific Northwest. Uh, you know, NBA. I would say average fan. I don't know how former Sonics fans feel, but that's I know, what I was I know say, they're not coming from the Pacific I know, Northwest. I know they're not that's rooting for OKC after being, or at least the vast majority aren't after being yeah. uprooted from Seattle. So, you know, these these fan bases, I think, are similar. Both arenas really get into it. They're going to do the, the playoff thing where they all wear the same shirts in the arena and, yeah. and really get into it. They're, it's kind of a college vibe. So, yeah, it's, it should be a fun rest of the series. And maybe if Portland can close it out, we'll be able to talk about them for a I few more I know. Weeks. I mean, across the playoffs right now, I mean, obviously the Bucks are dominating. So, like, that's not that surprising. But the Warriors getting any up losing by 30, the oh, yeah. 31 point they blew, lead. They blew the 3-1 lead a couple years ago in the series against the Cavs and then they blew the 3-1 point lead. Yeah, 31 point lead. Against the there Clippers. Uh, Patrick Beverly on the Clippers, a Chicago guy. Um, he was getting in, he was yeah, being a nuisance. I love guys like that. He's uh, annoying. From afar, you know. I don't <laughs> you don't want to play them. Playing. But uh, it's, it's, it's amusing, especially getting under a guy like KD, Kevin Durant's yes. skin. Yes, getting him fired up is hilarious. Yeah, Kevin Durant, temper. Kevin Durant is, uh, has become kind of a villain that it's fun to poke at. Totally lately. agree. Um, yeah, I don't want to get too deep into the NBA playoffs right now just because it's, it's the it's first early. round. It's early, it's early, but who knows? Well, it could be my only experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what's interesting with the, um, the NBA playoffs is kind of you know the lack of uh, parity that we see or they, you at least assume is going to happen. Like we assume the Warriors are going to at least go to the finals. Um, we assume that it's just tough for these seven or eight seeds, the bottom seeds, to beat um, a, a top seed. It's only happened once before in NBA history, and when I think the Ma- the Warriors beat the Mavericks uh, over ten years ago. But on the flip side, the NHL playoffs are completely different. Um, we have eight seeds upsetting number one seeds quite often, including. Just this uh, past couple of days, I don't know if you saw another reference to the Big Ten city of Columbus. The Blue Jackets swept Tampa Bay Lightning. That's what have you've been, been telling me. That's been incredible. Have no. you been following NHL playoffs? Are you NHL, I'm not, that is my no. That's I've been a little bit eclipsed by NBA playoffs to be focusing on Stanley. You're not Cup. a hockey gal at all. Do you have any teams that you root for? Um, I'm sporadically a ho- hockey gal, but my I'm not right now. I feel like Southern California is a hockey hotbed. Like it's. You know that kind of the I went Southwest. to Kings games. Yeah, the the Kings had a nice uh, run for a number of years, and hockey's kind of sprung up in that youth scene down there. That it's become kind of a popular, uh, as popular as it is in the Chicagoland area. So. True, it's just one. Of, yeah, no, I re- I really I should invest more being in Chicago, but alas, tell the, me, give the window's kind of over though now for but. the Blackhawks. I mean, they might you know who knows maybe they'll get one more run out of uh, Patrick Kane and, and uh, Jonathan Taze, but. They've missed the playoffs last couple of years. Haven't won a playoff series in four years. 
back to the Blue Jackets in Tampa, <laughs> it's interesting because um, the Lightning, Tampa Bay Lightning, were by far the best team in the regular season. Okay. So if you go by points, they had like 20 more points okay. than any um, uh, other NHL teams. And so it was obviously a huge shot that not only the Blue Jackets won, but they swept them. I think it's the first time the Blue Jackets have won a playoff series. Um, but what was even more interesting, I guess, from a social media perspective, millennial perspective, uh, that we hold is the tweet that the Tampa Bay Lightning sent out Please read to it. their fans and followers after. Please um, read it. Yeah, I'll, I'll read it out. You, did you see this when it yes. came out? Yes. Very strange. Okay. Here's the tweet that the Lightning sent out at 9 o'clock Central Time the night they lost the playoffs. So, like, within an hour or so after they lost. We don't have any words, and we know you don't want to hear them. We understand your anger, your frustration, your sadness, everything you're feeling. We get it. Insert, like... Sad piano playing violin <laughs> yeah, in the deck. Yeah. This isn't the ending we imagined, and certainly not the one we wanted. Thank you for being there the entire way. Thoughts? Colleen. It's so dramatic. I kind of, I thought at first that this was like a fan account. I was like, this is no way coming from. Right, right. And like, you know, as you're a Lightning fan, that probably fits the level of despair you're feeling at the time. Just being someone who, like, runs these type of accounts and, and somebody who is on that side of things, I just think it's funny because I'm like, who who's relaying this message? Is it my counterpart at the Lightning? Like, is it just some 20-something guy behind a keyboard? Did the GM direct this statement? Is it a PR employee? Like, who, who is directing this statement? It just seems like something that would be better This is a PR. From, this is a press release, 100%. But, like... It, it's not made clear of that, you know. It's just right. like social media is such a wrong forum. <laughs> such, yeah, it's such a um, you know kind of unclear medium that it's hard to know like who's saying what unless it's like a direct quote. So I just think it probably would have been better. You know, here's my unsolicited advice: just to have backed off for you know a day or two. Everyone in the organization so get silent. on the same page. Well, yeah, you know, you don't have to either say nothing or just like do more, a more normal statement and get everyone in the organization on the same page because just knowing how sports employees and, and people are, I guarantee there was somebody who didn't sign off on this and is now pissed off or something. Really? Like, I mean, I would bet just because there's a, a lo- there's a lot of people. I know, but there's a lot of people behind the scenes that are like, they probably saw this and like, like okay, who, Brad over there sent this out. Like, we did, definitely didn't, <laughs> didn't sure, approve Brad. this. Yeah, Brad or Chad signed, uh, sent this out. <laughs> so... I don't know. Like, there's, that's the thing is, like, the beauty of Twitter and, and social media in general is that you don't have to say anything, right? You can let your fa- the fans kind of vent or whatever. You let, let them get out. It's not like a press conference where you're required to answer questions. You can just take your foot off the gas and the things uh, kind of simmer down a little bit. So I just thought it was funny. Like, it, it's definitely melodramatic. I don't hate it. Like, if I was... I don't hate it. I just think they chose the wrong medium to tell this message on. Yeah, it's way be, too many words. I think it'd be better if like the GM or who or the president or the owner. So or, true, or but the not, coach yeah. says something like that. I love when or teams, a player. I love when teams or coaches like are accountable and say, "Hey, look, this is unacceptable." Right. Instead of trying to spin and gloss over things or try and put a spin zone on it. Yeah, I like when they're like, "Yeah, you know, honest. We're disappointed. We're angry. Whatever." Anyway, for sure. But I just still, had to bring that up. No, that's yeah. like our worlds colliding here. It's it's pretty good. Um, and since we're covering all the sports <laughs> all right the sports now, pretty much, let's talk about NFL. Because, like, with the playoffs of the NHL and the NBA going on, you know the NFL can't be overshadowed. They had to have their time. Oh, no. They have to always have their, fi- their five minutes of fame. Their schedule's released. 
this week. Yes, so it that's was. some pretty exciting news. We have my Green Bay Packers opening up at your Soldier Field, hosting your the Bears hosting us. So. Yeah, uh, we talked about it. I think not on the podcast, but just in, in the office because this segment didn't exist yet. But how disappointed I was and and how um, angry I was after that opening night Packers Bears yep. game last year, where, where the Bears looked like it was a new era, and it did turn out to be a great season, but. It looked like they were just going to, you know, kind of stomp on the Packers game one, uh, exert their dominance, and then Aaron Rodgers came back from the dead and <laughs> overcame that 20-point lead or whatever. So hopefully that doesn't happen again. No, and now we no, yes it will. Now we've got a new coach. For our, we're there aligned. We have the a Packers nice could, QB coach needed, alignment. The Packers needed some a news dump to uh, take away from their last month or so that's been kind of rough. Yeah. I need to read that article. So have you read that? Yeah, it's really interesting. Okay, I need to get into it. Um, it's been like sitting in my tabs waiting to be read. I've kind of got the Cliff's Notes version of it, but yeah. uh, it's interesting. Some other highlights, though. Um, per our almost winning city, uh, the Packers will play in San Francisco, taking on Jimmy G and the 49ers. There we go. Jimmy G will be back. If he can, if he can stay healthy. He will. Uh, the 49ers him. and probably Nick Bosa, right? Oh, Ohio yes, State. yes. Seems like they might draft him. Um, we'll see in the next week or so, but... Yeah, that'll um, be exciting to see where all of our Big Ten guys like. Yeah, so we can talk draft next week a little bit. For sure. Um, that'll be fun. We'll get into that. But but one back to the schedule, one uh, trip that I've been eyeing, or at least date I've been eyeing uh, since it came out a few months ago, is when the Bears will play the Raiders in London, in jolly old London. Are you trying to go? I want to go. We'll see. It's on October 6th. It's, it's kind of in the meat of our football yeah, that would <laughs> season here. But, like, maybe I can take one weekend, you know. Yeah. Who knows? We'll see. Do it. Have you been to London? No. I haven't. Okay, so it's, I've, I've been briefly, but what's interesting about this is... Can we charge it to the department? I don't think so. I don't <laughs> think I can get a work trip out of this one. We'll see. They'll probably already be mad at me for, for missing uh, the weekend if I decide to go. But um, the thing about London, this particular game, usually they play at the Wembley Stadium, which is kind right. of their, their national stadium and, and the big one. Uh, this one with the Bears and Raiders is being played at the Tottenham, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, so a different, oh. smaller stadium in London. Uh, I don't think they've done that before. I could be wrong, but just an interesting little wrinkle there. Uh, I don't know. What do you think about the NFL playing like th- two to four games or whatever they do every year? In, yeah, I know. They're, and then what uh, the are the Chargers or the Rams playing in Mexico? There's another. Not sure. They had to cancel the Mexico right. game last year. If you remember, but it's back on for this year. I think it's kind of cool. I mean, I think NFL is a worldwide phenomenon, and it's a cool excuse for teams to get to do something like that and yeah, like get th- their fans I everywhere. Like if, if you're the team giving up a home game, it's not so great. Yeah, like that's the, the Raiders. Like I'm fine with it because the Raiders are going giving right. up a home game. We don't have to. Or we. I'm on the Bears, obviously. The Bears don't have to. Play. <laughs> I identify with all of my teams. As yeah, well. the Bears don't have to play um, in Oakland, so I'm fine with it. But Neutral sites are fine to me. Yeah. Like, it would be... I do like growing the game. I mean, you never know, how, like, 10 years down the road, how viable the NFL is going to be just with all the challenges facing it. So I think they're yeah. smart to grow it. And, like, seeing new stadiums is so cool. Well, to talk about it, uh, you know, these London games for years has been, is a team going to move there, right? right? That would be so hard. It'd be weird. Like, I don't know if the travel would work out as far as... And you would have to have your entire, like, first half of your season home and then second I mean, like, half in the so States. Like, a game in New York... Or a team in New York playing a road game in London is, is not that different than a team in New York playing LA. a road game in L.A. Yeah, for sure. But a team in L.A. Going or to anywhere London. in the West, yeah, yeah there would have to be some really convenient or really uh, creative, sorry, scheduling. Um, and it'd be expensive, but also the NFL is not really Yeah, I don't think they're there. worried about it. Yeah. <laughs> 
But um, also a huge talk with all of the worst NFL jerseys coming out and talk of the baby blue new Chargers yeah, uniforms. Those are the best. Yeah, the I think blue. they're great. Yeah. But uh, you brought up a good point. Michigan State. Yeah, we got to talk about Michigan State's jersey reveal. Um, so you hadn't seen this until today. No. I brought this up as a, as a potential this topic. This is breaking news to me. Yeah. I'm this, pulling this it up again. Out, I think on Friday or Saturday, maybe Saturday, like right before the spring game this past weekend. Um when you know, I first I, I, see that, see, I work for I work for BTN, and I'm not gonna go drag them on social media or or be, no, be no. rude or go over the top or anything like that. This is gonna so be we're straight gonna turn, we're, Yeah, so I didn't tweet anything about it or, or share my thoughts, but we're gonna we can do some constructive criticism. Yeah. About Michigan State's New Jersey's. If, if people haven't seen them, Colleen, describe what you're looking at. Right okay, now. so they've got their classic-ish looking for deep forest green majority color on their jerseys. Yep. But now they have in a neon green state going from shoulder to shoulder pretty much. And then the white number. And then matching neon green pants. Yes. So right off the bat, I'm thinking I'm looking at Oregon. Like this is That's, something like the That was like the, the comparison a lot of people got, yeah. uh, came up with originally. This yeah. is 100%. I mean. It does seem to be from the Oregon template. Yeah, which is which I understand is so maybe cutting edge. Also, the, the neon, they've been working in with their um, – Basketball jerseys right, recently, right? Which I have never been a you know that much of a fan of. I, I the thing about it is I think Michigan State has such a really uh, un- classic and unique look with their their dark green. There aren't a lot of costumes yeah. like that. I like when they work in the gold. That's what I like. If they're gonna go alternate color, work in the uh, the gold trim that they do. You know, kind of the bronze look. Yeah, they do. It's more of like the Spartan theme, but a the, neon. Not a fan. They're and, like and then, space space Spartans. And then to get, and then to on top of that, I don't understand if they're doing neon why they keep the numbers white. Agree. Right. And now they just have a lot of there's, colors. Yeah, that's four colors. Four colors. Or wait, three well, colors. No, there's four. Four. Yeah. On one jersey, so that seems like a lot. No, wait, it's three: white, neon, dark. Anyway, like in black. Yeah, I guess if they have black trim, they have black Nike that, swish. So. Yeah, I would just go if you're gonna go neon, go all out, right? Go full neon green. Like, yeah, I don't. Are you a more classic uniform guy? Or do you I'm like not. I, I mean, I, I like the new ones. I like the I like new looks that could also end up being timeless. That's very tricky. It's a tough tightrope to walk, but um, some some schools can pull it off. I'm not somebody who's like, oh, I love this classic, you know, look with no. Names on the back, and it's been like that for. That's like four Wisconsin years. basketball like, jerseys. Like, it kind of drives me. I nuts. like tweaking a little bit. You know, I, I like improving, updating, modernizing. I think Michigan State has done a great job of that with their classic jerseys. To um, say one thing though, having a neon color, it's a little cocky. You got to play really well it, to wear neon. It's gonna stand out for sure. So uh, they they asked. I think we had it was either Joe Bocci, I think it was Joe Bocci that we had on uh, for a spring game interview. This past weekend, he was kind of introducing the jerseys and talking about it on BTN. And he had a good point. It's going to pop under the lights. It will pop under the lights, but I'm just saying, if you're wearing neons, you got to be running fast. Yeah, so uh, constructive criticism for MSU. It's okay. I, I think we can have our opinions on that, that you know, without, um, you know, everyone gets, everyone gets those jerseys every once in a while that they can just run out there. And, you know, maybe they come like a cult favorite they get criticized before and then it's the, the best win the day history. the badgers and come out with a neon uniform will be in like I, I the year think, 3000 i don't think that's gonna happen <laughs> so we'll see anyway um before wrapping up let's talk a little current events um talked about playoffs already talked about schedule release 
talked in depth about the Masters and Game of Thrones. We have to now bring up what is also a, a multi-week event, and that is Coachella that is um, going on out in your neck of the woods in Southern California. Have you ever been to India? What's that? that that's where it oh, is. Oh, the town? Yeah. No, actually I have. I have. It's I've Palm been, Desert. Palm yeah, Springs. no, I've been to Palm Springs. Um, I have, I've driven through, you know, you drive from L.A. to Palm Springs and you see the town Coachella. That was actually the first time I realized that it's like an actual town, not just the yeah. festival. So, yeah, no, I've been through that area. Um, yeah. It'd be a nice place to be this time of year weather-wise. And I've seen on social media uh, people there that, you know, in our circles. So my question to you regarding Coachella is that has it jumped the shark? Like, has it gone from being the must-see place to now kind of uh, – is it – like, is it lame? Is it – I know. It seems not it, as – Did it get too popular for its own good? Is it now lame? Like, kind of a parody of itself? I would I, – I mean, I've never been. I've only ever been to Stagecoach in India, which is the country version okay. of Coachella when I was in high school once. And the whole idea rocks. I mean, what, a weekend in the desert listening to a bunch of major headliners, great food, beverages. Like, Was it always two weekends? No. This is new. This is, it's okay. newer. It's the, I think See, the past that, few years. You know, you get too much of a good thing and it turns, you know, it spoils people. So in one sense, yes. But now I, I know people that have gone year after year after year and they're still loving it every okay. year. So I really don't know if I, I as a third party viewer here can say it's lame. It does seem a lot more basic in the sense that a lot more people go and like it's not like it's getting any cheaper. So like I think people are really going because they love all of the music and like you get major names and it's very I think iconic now. No. You have people like loving and going for fashion and seeing what the cool other aspects of Coachella are now with their different pop-up events and things like that. So I don't think I can sit here being like, that's lame, just because everyone on my IG feed was there. Yeah, but. yeah the, well, the only reason I brought that up is because I feel like in my echo chamber on social media, it, it's kind of been getting clowned a little bit. I don't know why I can't point to anything. That's the only reason I'm asking the question if it's lame. Yeah. I guess that the difference this year, like you said, is that it's two weekends, maybe. Well, it's um, been two weekends, I think, variable. for a few years. Oh, okay. But still. Okay. Well, you know, if people still enjoy going. And they're still getting major more, names. More power to them. Yeah. Yeah, and they still have good headliners and all that. Um, so neither of us are going to Coachella. <laughs> but, we'll be here, yeah. But you are. Oh, no, actually, I won't be here. No, you are going. <laughs> you, you have big plans this weekend. What's going on? I'm going to Austin. Austin. I'm uh, the dumb child of the family who, when I realized I had a day off in April, I immediately booked a flight not knowing that it was a holiday weekend and I should probably be spending right. it with my family. But yeah, You can celebrate. That's okay. Austin. The, it's going to be great. It's going to be 85 and future, sunny. Future Big Ten City, Austin, Texas. Maybe. I don't, wow. I don't know. I don't know. That'd be legit. <laughs> I don't know. Just, you know, expansion talk's going to bubble up eventually. And yeah, come on down, Texas and Oklahoma. Who knows? <laughs> like, who yeah, like that. That'd be pretty sweet. That'd be super. I'll, yeah. I'll do some uh, rallying while I'm there. Yeah, okay. But uh, it's going to be 85 yeah. and sunny. I like Austin. I've, I've literally been once and for probably nine hours. It was like an extended layover. So I got to see, look around a little bit, see the city. Um, I'm jealous you're going <laughs> for a full weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going to be I saw great. all the, like, the main parts, but... It's gonna be great. It's gonna be relaxing, and uh, yeah. you do any uh, any running down there? Any any jogs, or is it gonna be all kind of? I'm a hundred. I'm for sure bringing my running shoes. Yeah, I mean, I feel inspired. It's like a good run. They have the water right. Yeah, the river we're we're, like we're doing a boat city. one day, but um. I was gonna say because yeah, post Mar- Boston Marathon yeah, this post, week. Post Boston Marathon, it's great. Usually this time of year, great running weather. Um, it, like they I said, got I, horrible running weather well, though again. Well, I went on a couple of runs this week, literally hours after. Uh, Snowstorm. Oh. The snowstorm. Oh. So it was, and it was fine. It was crazy. Yeah. Like we could probably got 
six inches of snow Sunday, and I was running Monday afternoon and Tuesday afternoon, and yeah. it was fine. Like, there was yeah. no ice or anything. But, uh, so yeah. that's wild. But, yeah, I uh, just want to close by talking about uh, the Boston Marathon, which was in the rain and cold, apparently. Uh, yeah, I didn't again, watch much of it. Two years in a row? Two years in a row, that really, really poor weather. I can relate. I, I've never run a marathon, but I have done a few half marathons, you know, looking for my pats on the back and applause from from the audience um and i went i did two years in a row where it was pouring down rain and um it was cold and windy Ugh, it's it, it wasn't that bad because it keeps you cool i'm and it kind of numbs you like you just are just like all right i'm in it whatever see like i'm much more favorable to it be incredibly hot which i've gotten some luck doing halves incredibly heat but my i was gonna say as, as i'm patting myself on the back for doing a half you've literally done double that you've done a full marathon you did it when was that? In October. Right. I did. Um, and I'm the psychopath who had to run these same long runs in the same outfit for the three months leading up to it and had to wear the same outfit on that day because I Ooh. had some weird superstition. And on the day oh. I ran it, it was like 40 and cold and I'm in shorts, half calves, a tank top, and refused to wear any other layers because, like, I'm a psycho. That's, yeah, that's when the superstition might backfire. <laughs> um, you got it done, though. I got it done. I think I finished with purple lips because I was so cold. But, um, yeah, no, I, life, life goal of mine is to do the Boston Marathon, but uh, clearly you're going to have to work on my time, seeing as, well, this year, it was nuts, the, the end of the men's elite, one second victory margin. Really? Oh, yeah. So it was a close race. It's close, but the guy who won his third year in a row winning. Yeah, uh, so, those people blow my mind, just like the... Blow my mind. Athleticism, like, they're running at that pace, pace that I couldn't even do one mile at. They're running for a full 26, it's crazy. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, I shout out mad respect to the people who, like poop their pants and keep running. <laughs> just so, keep going. Um, the, I remember somebody, a winner of the U of I marathon. That's the one I, that I have done in recent years. Uh, one of the winners one year just pooped their pants and kept on motoring. Oh, They're like, wow. I need that prize money. Wow. And, uh, you could like see it in the picture. And I'm like, ah. Hey, you know what? You got to make a choice. And Shows I choose that up. bag. Yeah. I choose to secure the bag. And um, instead of stopping for, you know, the porta potty or whatever. So, not needed. This ended in a weird way, but <laughs> I had to give that shout out. But yes. Let's wrap it up um, on that note. Yeah. Lifelong goals, though. So, yeah, we'll go off of uh, this pod with some motivation to run faster. Enjoy Austin, Texas. <laughs> have fun. And yeah, have a good weekend, too. All right. Happy Easter. See you next time. See you next time. All right. Thanks once again to Colleen and Kevin joining me on this week's episode of the Take 10 Podcast. Keep it locked and subscribe uh, if you haven't already for future episodes of the show because we have plenty of NFL draft talk coming up next week, hopefully from both the media side and the athlete side as well. So keep it locked for that. And like I said, subscribe. Please rate, comment, review the show if you haven't already. We're available on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean, and also YouTube on the BTN YouTube page. So plenty of places to find take 10 podcasts so you got no excuse if you miss out all right final thank yous thanks to everyone out there for listening thank you to Wes white and julie browner for producing the show week after week really appreciate it and as spring keeps moving here we will talk to you soon here on the take 10 podcast